Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hello, everyone. I'm Sierra. And I'm Ashley. And this is your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. Welcome to another weekly dose of Wicked. Oh. <laughs> what was that, Sarah? That was a basket. That's not a footrest. I know. I know. I know. I kicked over a basket with my foot. Because you put your foot on a shelf that is not a footrest. It's comfortable, though. Comfort okay. is key. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry for that interruption. Welcome to another weekly dose of Wicked. Happy Wednesday. I'm your head host, Sarah. <laughs> You're such an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, whatever. That's what makes you sleep at night. It does. Thank you. We all know it's a lie. (laughs) I don't think that we know that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that any listeners are going to (laughs) argue with that statement. Just say. They will. I'm like the president. You're the vice president. (laughs) (laughs) You're so annoying. just joking i'm just messing around ashley are you though i'm just joking with you i'm just joshing you up they like the the banter they like the sarcasm they like the little tiffs we have i'm just giving the people what they ask for oh okay that's what you're doing and if you can't get enough of this guys head on over to www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can get two extra episodes a month starting at just three dollars and you can join the party yeah you can also get ad free episodes so you know that's cool 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 oh yeah head on over to facebook instagram x there you go. Take a uh, YouTube. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe. Do all of those things and tell a friend about your favorite podcast, Weekly Dose of Wicked. Yeah, if you tell one friend a week. Oh, yeah. You tell one friend a week, we'd be golden. Yeah, that's your new job. We're not giving them jobs, Ashley. Okay. They're listeners and our fucking employees. <laughs> your homework this week, guys. No, I'm just saying, if you got a true crime loving friend, tell them about the podcast. No, it's not your job, but it would be cool if you did. It'd be cool. I tell at least one person a week. I tell at least one person a day, probably. Well, you know, I don't talk to that many people. I mean, I've just posted on Facebook or hand out cards at restaurants or... I got a new follower when I was in New York. You did? Mm-hmm. Haven't the bartender. seen him. Um, yeah, he followed us hmm. on Instagram. Okay. Good job. So, I'm proud of you. Way to go. Thank you. 
All right. Well, we don't have a lot going on in the weekly dose of wicked world. So, nope. So let's jump in. You want to jump in? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Um, this case is for Allison, but she's not going to listen, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay. So maybe she will if she knows it's for her. She won't, and I'm not going to tell her. Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right. So I have a question first. What do you think of when you think of Columbia, South Carolina? Ghetto. <laughs> okay. Is that all you got? <laughs> Ghetto. Yeah. Okay. So I came across this case. I was watching Snapped Killer Couples. Mm-hmm. And it hooked me when they described Columbia, South Carolina as a cozy suburb. I don't agree with that. It's kind of a big, busy place. It's a little dangerous and kind of busy. Uh, Yeah. So I don't really go as much anymore, but I regularly would drive through Columbia to go see Allison because Allison lives in South Carolina as well. In order to get to her house, I'd have to drive through Columbia, right? And when she comes to see me, she has to drive through Columbia. And like, I won't even stop for gas in Columbia. Like, I intentionally plan my trip around not stopping in Columbia <laughs> because Columbia, to me, screams danger zone. Yeah. Okay. So, NeighborhoodScout.com has West Columbia listed as a, with a safety rating of one. Oh, good. So, for reference, the scale is one to 100, with 100 being the safest. <laughs> There is a 1 in 132 chance of becoming a victim of violent crime in West Columbia. There is a 1 in 8 chance of becoming a victim of property crime in West Columbia. (laughs) (laughs) So that being said, I shut off Snapped Killer Couples because I knew that it was going to be way too fucking dramatized. And And so then I started researching. Yeah. And then I started researching like for real because I was like, ain't no fucking way these people are going to give me a real story because they just described Columbia, South Carolina as a cozy suburb. (laughs) <laughs> no. Sometimes I'm like, where do they get their information? Yeah, I don't know. Because there's a lot of times where they have these episodes and they're like, what was it? Like, freaking... What was the other one I did Winston for you? Salem. Winston. Winston-Salem is a small town. No, I'm like, where do you get your information from? That's nothing against anyone that lives in Columbia. If you choose to make your life in Columbia and you listen to this podcast, I Good for applaud you. you for the bravery it takes to live in a place with a Crime rating of one out of a hundred. Yeah, honestly, I don't think I've ever even been to Columbia. I've just driven through it. Right, that's what I mean. Like I've driven through the it. zoo's in Columbia, so we've been there for the zoo. I don't remember going to the zoo in Columbia. We did, and we stopped at the rug outlet on our way back. I remember going to the rug outlet. <laughs> yeah, we went to the zoo as well. <laughs> I mean, I've zoo. been to Columbia, but I just don't make a habit of stopping there. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, this episode is on Mitchell Sims and Ruby Patchett. Have you heard of them? No. All right. So both Mitchell and Ruby grew up in Columbia, South Carolina. Ruby Carolyn Paget was born in 1965. I tried really hard to find her birthday. It is fucking nowhere. It's not even on like the inmate search with the prison. Oh, so she was arrested. Yeah. I thought they were the victims. No, they are not the victims. Okay. So I couldn't find her birthday anyway. Anywhere okay. at all. That's weird. Yeah, I agree. It is weird. I couldn't find it literally anywhere. Like nowhere at all. Hmm. Which is strange. Why. I don't know. Uh the inmates for that state don't have any of their birthdays. Oh, that's weird. I agree. Hmm. I agree. What state is this? It was California. Oh, okay. I told you. You did tell me. All I'm right. Sorry. So anyway, um, Ruby grew up in poverty. Her family bounced from trailer park to trailer park. Now, I just want to say there's nothing wrong with living in a trailer park. Yep. I really hate it when people say trailer park like it's a dirty word. If you live in a trailer, that's great. Her home itself wasn't the issue. The issue was the lack of stability and safety. Right. 
So just want to throw that out there. But I just feel like anytime they talk about it, like I was listening to another podcast, they're like, they bounced from trailer park to trailer park. And like, they were just really judgmental about it. And I'm like, screw you. Right. I mean, why does it matter? Who cares? As long as you're providing a good home for your children and for yourself, like who fucking cares if a house is built on a frame or not? A very nice trailer park. Right. And you can have a stick built house in the very dangerous area. So what's the difference? Yeah. But I just want to throw that in there. So her father was abusive. At the age of six, Ruby witnessed her father shoot her mother, resulting in her mother being hospitalized. This was the first of many reports of domestic violence in Ruby's life. By the age of 16, Ruby left home. Uh, She essentially became homeless. She relied on men to provide for her. Ruby was a beautiful girl, and she was aware of this, and she used this to her advantage. She had serious daddy issues, which, I mean, obviously. Um, So like I said, she would rely on men to provide for her places to stay, and particularly older men. Uh, She would often find herself in relationships with abusive older men. And once out on her own, Ruby turned to drugs as a way to cope. That's sad. It is sad. Uh, Mitchell Carlton Sims was born February 12th, 1960. Mitchell was the youngest of three. Mitchell Sims grew up in a very unstable home as well, to put it lightly. Uh, This is going to get... I probably should have put a disclaimer in here. This is going to get a little gross. Oh, okay. Some sexual assault. Should have put that at the beginning. So if that's not your jam, see you next week. Sorry we wasted your time. Or you can just skip this part. I mean, honestly, you can just skip ahead like a minute and you'll miss it because it's really just right here. Yeah. So... Mitchell was abused by his stepfather very early in life. His stepfather would punch him in the face and also verbally abuse him. And at the age of seven, his stepfather began sexually abusing him. As the abuse progressed, Mitchell would be forced to have sex with his siblings as well as his mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, To escape this life, Mitchell enlisted in the army as soon as he could at 18. Unfortunately for Mitchell, he would be dishonorably discharged, which would also land him in military prison. I put military prison slash jail question mark. Is it prison or jail? I don't know. I think it's prison. I don't know. Are you going to tell me what he did? Or Yes. Okay. Why? I, I don't know. You just kind of like stopped. So well, because I thought we were talking. You said, you said like, I don't know. Like you were questioning it like you had more to say. Oh, no. I was going to Google it. Oh, okay. I don't know. I could have Googled it, but I didn't think it really mattered. Me either, but you asked, so. I just didn't know if you knew. It really doesn't matter that much. No, I have no idea. Either way, whatever. So this is what he I did. I believe they're prisons. That's what I thought it was, too. Because I put military jail or prison. And it said, a military prison is a prison operated by a military. Yes. So. There you go. That's what I thought it was. All right. So what he did to get landed. Landed in military prison. Uh, he was having an affair with an officer's wife. And I know what you're thinking. Like, he went to jail for that? No, that's not what he went to jail for. Obviously. <laughs> uh, he came up with a plan to have his friend shoot him. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. <laughs> It is funny. <laughs> it was just an like, immediate reaction to laugh. I'm sorry. It is funny, though. So he came up with a plan to have his friend shoot him, and then they were going to frame the officer. Okay, solid Then plan. he could run off with the officer's wife. Um, obviously, the plan did not work. I didn't think it would. He did get shot by his friend, <laughs> but they were not able to frame the officer. Okay. So. So did he admit to this being the plan? Is that what he went to jail for? I don't, he didn't admit to it. He was, like, found guilty of, like, fraud. Oh. Okay. <laughs> From having his friend shoot him. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. His friend shot him, man. What a good friend. <laughs> hey, man, shoot me so I can continue an affair with this woman. Like, okay, guy. Okay, my guy. Um, after a few months in military prison, Mitchell returned to South Carolina and married a girl named Teresa. She was 16 at the time, and he was 20. Ooh. 
They went on to have three children together. Fast forward about five years. So Mitchell is 25. His teenage bride is now 21. I was going to say 23, but that was wrong. (laughs) She's now 21. Uh, Mitchell gets a job working at a Domino's Pizza in Columbia as a manager. Everything is going good until May of 1984 when Mitchell quits his job after he was shorted a bonus that he was supposed to receive. He actually tried to get the entire crew to quit in solidarity with him, but they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I can just see that. Fuck the patriarchy. Let's all quit. Yeah. They didn't. He's like, you can pick it and stuff, but nope, none of them followed. Oh, that's kind of sad. I mean, I don't know a single coworker I'd quit my job for. I mean, maybe not like for them, but like if we were all being mistreated. No, it was just him. He lost his bonus. Like he was the manager and he didn't get his bonus. Makes me think when we worked at Duckworth, and Degree was like, I'm sick and tired of losing my bonuses. And I was like. <laughs> what kind of an accent is that? That is not his accent. <laughs> I know, but I'm just going to go with it. Um, and he was like yelling at me and I was like, yeah, yeah, guess what? I don't give a fuck about your bonus. I don't get a bonus, so I don't care about your bonus. And so then he told me, if we meet the bonus requirements and I get a bonus, I'll, I'll share it with you. I was like, okay, bet. And we got the freaking bonus. <laughs> we got it. That was the first time we got it because I was like, okay, if I'm getting incentive, then cool. I'll help. I'll help. But like, I was like, no, fuck you. I don't have any bonus incentive. I'm not helping you. I don't give a shit if we run, if our labor's too high or if we freaking, right, it's not. our food cost is too high. I don't care. I'm just going off my back. Didn't bother me at all. But then when he was like, all right. And then he kept true to his word. Yeah. Which was actually really cool because I didn't even work for him anymore. Yeah. When the bonuses came out, remember? I transferred to another store mm-hmm. and he sent me the bonus money because it was like during the quarter that I was there. Yeah. So kudos to him. He was cool. He was a good manager. Yeah, he was. He was my favorite. Yeah. But anyway. Much better than Sheila, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, we're not talking about work with that. I'm just saying, though, I don't know a single coworker that I would quit my job for. Yeah. Ever. Uh, I think it would depend. I might quit my job for Jenny. Okay, well, you're a better friend than me. <laughs> I ain't quit my job for anybody. There'd have to be, well, there'd have to be some real shit hitting the fan. What if we were coworkers still? Well, that would be different. We are coworkers, actually. Well, we are, but, like, we don't have a boss <laughs> to push around. I'm just saying, though, there would have to be some real shit for me to, like, quit for a coworker. Yeah. But I'm saying a coworker. Like, you're not a coworker. You're my sister. I'd quit for my sister. Yeah. I'd quit for my best friend. I'm not quitting for a coworker. Yeah. So, anyway, it doesn't matter. Whatever. They didn't, they didn't fall in. They didn't quit in solidarity. Okay. He quit alone. <laughs> so, now he's unemployed, and he's trying to provide for his wife and three kids. He's picking up odd jobs here and there, but he's just not making enough to pay their bills. The strain this puts on his marriage is only made worse when he starts having an affair with one Ruby Patchett. Hmm. Mitchell and Ruby bonded over their shared childhood trauma. When Ruby met Mitch, she was 19, and he was 25, so he just really likes him young. Uh, not long after the affair started, Mitchell left his wife and kids to be with Ruby, and the two moved to North Charleston, South Carolina. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. They were the perfect pair. Both so broken from the abuse that they endured that they just meshed together perfectly. Hmm. The two soon began heavily abusing drugs and alcohol, and Mitch would tell Ruby how he wanted nothing more than to violently hurt his ex-boss at Domino's. He even went as far as to buy a gun. Oh, the couple really struggled to make ends meet because all of the money that they had, uh, they just spent on drugs. Oh, that's not good. At one point, Ruby became frustrated with Mitchell's inability to provide for her and told him if he couldn't do a better job, she was leaving. It's kind of weird because, like, you would think maybe, like, he needed to provide for his kids that he abandoned. Right. And not his 19-year-old girlfriend. Right, you would think. So, in November of 1985, Mitchell applied to a Domino's in Hanahan, South Carolina. Never heard of it. Hanahan? 
It's by Allison. That's why I did it. Oh, never heard of it. Okay, well, it's a place. <laughs> okay. Outside of North Charleston area. I know where Hannah is. So anyway, he applies. And they do hire him. But it's on a part-time basis as a delivery driver. Hmm. So obviously this isn't really ideal. Uh, but any job's better than no job. So he's like, all right, I guess I'll take it. Uh, and things are going fine until Mitchell's truck breaks down. And now he's unable to work as a delivery driver. Which, I don't know how I feel about delivery drivers driving their own vehicles. I, I think, it's think it's bullshit. bullshit. Right? Yeah. Like, especially for massive corporations like that. Like Domino's and Pizza Hut and Papa John's. Like, they should have fucking company cars. I think anyone who makes you deliver should have company cars. Even if it's little mom and pop. I could see, okay, but like Instacart and like oh, those, those, like those you're like, uh, yeah. you know, you're like an independent contractor. Right. Those I get. But I feel like as a company, if you're going to have somebody deliver, then you should provide transportation. Right. Because the pay does not equal out. No. To using your own vehicle. No, not at all. Yeah. I mean, what do they make? Minimum wage? No, thanks. I mean, even if they make $10 an hour, it's still not worth it. No. Not for the amount of wear and tear you put on your vehicle. Yeah, I would know. Your car just always smell like pizza. Yeah. Anyway, that's besides the point. But I was saying about that last night. I was like, that's some bullshit, honestly. Yeah, it is. I agree. I don't like it. At this point, Mitchell decides he is fed up with being screwed over by Domino's, and he comes up with a plan to get even. What? (laughs) He he is sick and tired of being screwed over by Domino's. Yes. No, it's funny. You remember the Taco Bell killer? Well, now we got the Domino's killer. (laughs) Okay. If you want to know more more about the Taco Bell killer, head on over to Patreon.com. That was a good one. It was a good one. I mean, it wasn't good. It was disgusting, but... No, but um, it was a very interesting one. All right. So, he's fed up on December 3rd or 4th. There's contradictory, so I just put 3rd or 4th. Of 1985, Mitchell and Ruby go to the Domino's in Hanahan, South Carolina, and they rob it. Sticking it to the man. Yeah, man. I like it. Sticking it to their co-workers. It's the only people they're screwing over, really. So, they waited until just before midnight when the store was closing. Uh, they tie up the two employees that are working, 24-year-old Chris Azar and assistant manager Gary Malky, who was also 24. Now, this also really fucking infuriated me. So, both of these men were in the Navy, mm-hmm. and they were working at Domino's for extra money, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, they, were they currently in the Navy? Yes. Hmm. I like didn't they know were, you were allowed to have extra jobs. They were in the Navy, and they were working in, like, the hospital, like, the Naval Hospital. Oh. And so they weren't making enough money. And so they. That's crazy. Up. Right. But like, that's ridiculous. Like, the servicemen of our country have to pick up extra jobs to make ends meet. Yeah. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Agreed. Anyway. Uh, so Ruby and Mitchell cut the phone lines and they use the phone cords to tie Chris and Gary up because remember, it's the 80s. So the phones have, you know, those long spiral phone cords on them. Right. Uh, once the two men are tied up, Mitchell trashes the store and takes all the money. So robbing the Domino's is fine. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Right. I, obviously it's a crime. Obviously we don't like criminals, but like, okay, you got what you came for. Right. But no, they had to go farther than that. Uh, they shot both men execution style in the head. Why? They don't want any witnesses. So Gary Malky was actually shot four times hmm. in the neck and head. Somehow though, he managed to free himself and walk three blocks to the local police station. Oh my gosh. Yeah. He walks into the station and he is a mess. Obviously, he's bleeding profusely. He has been shot in the jaw, so he's like spitting teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before he succumbs to his injuries, Gary Malky does tell a paramedic his coworker Mitchell Sims had shot him. I just don't understand. Like, why couldn't he do it like after hours? Because the money would have already been gone. What do you mean? I mean, would have been locked though? in a safe. Okay, but he worked there. He didn't know the safe code. 
No, he was a delivery driver. Yeah, but I feel like he could have got it. No. Uh, most restaurants. Okay, so as a restaurant manager, let me just give you some insight on how to rob a, a restaurant. <laughs> I'm just joking. Not really. <laughs> not really. But um, most restaurants have multiple like fail safes, like keep you from robbing them. So, like in order for me to open the safe at night to lock the money up for the night, I had to take the key out of the box in the back, and it was time sensitive. So I had to like put the key in, turn it, turn it, turn it. And then wait 10 minutes and then put the other key in, turn it, turn it, turn the other key. Like it's a whole sequence of like key turnings oh. and it's time sensitive. It's not like you can just open the safe. Hmm. That's why they used to get mad at me when I would close because I would set a timer mm-hmm. and then my phone would be on silent and I'd miss it. And like you only have like a one minute window. <laughs> yeah. From like the time that the safe's ready to be open to like finish the process or whatever. Hmm. But yeah, it's like a whole fucking process, man. And then like also like the keys are locked up in the office. So like not only did you have to... If you were to break in after hours, first of all, if you were to break in after hours, you're going to set the alarm off. Right. So you'd only have X amount of time to get in and out anyway. Then you have to get the keys out of the office, which you'd have to break into. You'd have to know they were there. And then you'd have to go to the safe, which isn't even in the office. The safe was on the other side of the restaurant. That's what I'm saying. Like, no, it wouldn't be that easy to do it after hours. I don't know anything The best time to rob a restaurant is right before it's closing. Hmm. Or right when it opens. Okay. But I just still don't feel like it was necessary to kill them. (coughs) Absolutely not. No. Not even a little bit. Okay. Okay, so Gary, Gary succumbed to his injuries, but before he did, he does tell a paramedic that his coworker Mitchell Sims had shot him. Uh, Gary showed up at the police station in his Domino's uniform with the phone cord still wrapped around his wrist. Police rush to the Domino's where they find Chris Zer in a pool of blood dead on the floor. The, the Hanahan police bring in the Charleston County Crime Unit, and they immediately start to process the scene. They do find a twenty-five caliber bullet lodged in the wall. Uh, police received the information from the paramedic telling them that Mitchell Sims is responsible for the heinous crime. They call in the store manager who pulls Mitchell's employee file and they begin the hunt for Mitchell. Uh, police do attempt to find Mitchell and Ruby at their home that they live in. Unfortunately, they can't find the house initially. So they lived in a trailer park at this point as well. And apparently they couldn't figure out which trailer was theirs. Okay. So by the time they do figure it out, they go back. It's like, so the Donald's was closing at around midnight. Okay. So by the time they go there the first time, it's like 2, 3 in the morning, and they can't find it. So they then go back later in the morning, maybe like 7, 8, whatever, when the sun's up. Right. Uh, but Ruby and Mitchell have already fled by that point. Okay. Makes um, sense. And because you asked, I wanted to go ahead and let you know how much money Mitchell got from that robbery. Oh, okay. I did uh, ask you right. Mm-hmm. He got $1,100. Why did you say it like that? That is not worth killing two people. Oh, it's not. But that's a pretty good amount for a robbery. No, it's not. Not for a restaurant. That's trash. That's absolutely fucking trash. Are you kidding me? How much? $1,100. I thought you said 11000 No, 1100 <laughs> is what I said. 1100 I'm sorry. Yeah, 11000 Still wouldn't have been worth killing people. No, over, it wouldn't, but... but... No, 1100 So, adjusted well, for inflation, that's $3,138.74. Thank you. Not even worth it. No, it's not. Not at all. It's not even worth a robbery itself at that point. No! This double homicide is going to be the start of an insane killing spree spanning across the country a killing spree like is it actually a killing spree with that we're going to take an ad break you're annoying do 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 hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting. Go 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now we're back from that ad. Do do do. Anyway, what were you asking before the ad break? <laughs> you said a killing spree. How many people are we talking? You'll see. <sighs> okay. It doesn't really matter. It's a serial killer, so more than more than one. Oh, this is a serial killer. Yes. Oh, okay. Well, you have two cases. So I'm aware, but this sure. is a serial killer. So is this like the Domino's killer? Does he rob Domino's and kill them? I literally already told you it was the Domino's <laughs> killer. I literally already <laughs> I had... thought you were just like making a joke, like a funny. <laughs> no. No. I wasn't making a funny. He's a Domino's killer. He robs Domino's and kills them. Oh, okay. Well, I don't like that. I'm me neither. It's okay. He doesn't rob that many Domino's. He gets caught eventually. Well, he's kind of stupid, so. Yeah, so in Hanahan, police attempt to figure out where Mitchell and Ruby are. They check for any flight or buses they may have taken out of town. They also broadcast Mitchell's picture on all ra- on all local news stations in hopes that he is still in the area. Soon they get a tip that Mitchell and Ruby left on a bus out of North Charleston, so they call in the FBI for assistance. On December 9th of 1985, less than a week after the first kill, Ruby and Mitchell find their next target, a Domino's in Glendale, California. South Carolina? California. Yeah, that's quite a while. Yeah. Crazy, right? It's pretty long Did they take a bus all that way? Apparently. It's a long bus ride. Well, it was a week, so yeah. Ugh. Okay. After 11 p.m., the Glendale Domino's received a call from a man with a southern accent requesting a pizza delivery to room 205 at the Regal Lodge Motel. Delivery driver John Harrigan, 21, left to, del- to deliver this order at around 11.20 p.m. When he arrived at the motel, he was overtaken by the couple. Mitchell and Ruby choked John and then drowned him in the motel bathtub. I don't like that at all. No. It's a horrible way to kill somebody. By 11.45, so he left to deliver this pizza at 11.20. By 11.45, Mitchell and Ruby arrive at the Glendale Domino's. Working in the store were 19-year-old assistant manager Corey Spear- Spearoff and 41-year-old Edmund Seacam. When Mitchell and Ruby arrived, Corey was finishing the night deposit and assumed that it was John returning from his delivery. When he exited the office, he was met by Mitchell holding a gun. You know, I was thinking to myself, that's really stupid. Why did he order a pizza just to rob him? That, that He's makes trying to get him out of the store. Yeah. He was thinking that late at night there'd probably only be two employees. Yeah. But there were three. That was kind of smart in his stupid way. Mm-hmm. Kind of. Uh, Mitchell demanded that Corey return to the office, and Corey said, my delivery driver will be back any minute. I think he said that maybe as a way to like try and scare Mitchell and Ruby off. Uh, Mitchell opened his coat and revealed that he was wearing a Domino's uniform with a name tag that said John. What a sick man. What the fuck? Like, why would he put on his uniform? That's gross. Mitchell chuckled and said, no, I don't think he will. What the fuck is wrong with this dude? Mm -hmm. So they killed this poor man and then they put his uniform on. Trash. What the fuck? Seriously, like what? (laughs) Like, I, I don't even understand what's wrong with them. Uh, Mitchell instructed Ruby to collect the cash while he held the two men to the side with his gun. Ruby also had a butcher knife. When Mitchell and Ruby were in the middle of robbing the Domino's, someone entered the store. Hmm. Corey asked Mitchell what to do, and he said, don't do anything stupid. So Corey went out front where one of his co-workers, Richard Wagner, was in the lobby. Richard wanted to order some food and chat with his friends slash co-workers. Corey, well, Corey not wanting to drag Richard into this mess acted like he didn't know who he was. He just simply treated him like a normal customer and asked, what would you like to order? Um, obviously, this was weird to Richard, but after a few awkward attempts at talking to Corey, Richard just played along and gave Corey his order. While he was taking Richard's order, the phone rang. 
Mitchell exits the office wearing John's Domino uniform and answers the phone to take the, the order for delivery. Hmm. He's like, thanks for calling Domino. This is Mitchell. Even use his real name. Okay. Uh, Corey tells Richard that he can wait in his car and that they'll bring the order out to him. Obviously, Richard's like, what the fuck? Right. Like, I don't know this guy. This is my place of work. Uh, so Mitchell, Mitchell then goes and makes Richard's order. Well, yeah, he knows how. He worked at Hominus. Okay, but like you're trying to rob the place. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> he missed working there, I guess. He, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so he goes and makes the order. And then he takes it out to Richard in his car. Tells him have a good night. Richard immediately drives to the nearest payphone and calls the cops. As he should. As well as his store manager. As he should. Uh, before the police can arrive, though, Mitchell takes Corey and Edmund to the walk-in cooler, where he ties the two up with rope. He ties the rope around their arms, and then he loops the rope around the top of the shelves in the cooler, and then ties the rope around their necks. So just to paint a picture better for you, um, essentially they have to stand on their tiptoes. Oh, I'm not supposed to say essentially anymore. I forgot. Mom said I say it too much. It's annoying. <laughs> I didn't know that. Supposedly. I don't know what else to say. Okay. So. Mom's kind of rude to us. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, so just a bit about a picture for you. What they have to do is stand on their tiptoes to avoid strangling themselves. That sounds exhausting and yeah. horrible. And a cooler's cold. Right. So it's going to be difficult for them to do. Uh, this, was, this was to ensure the two men would suffer a slow, agonizing, painful death. What is wrong with this dude? Mm-hmm. Before Mitchell and Ruby leave, Mitch tells the men they will be in San Francisco before anyone finds them the next day. So police finally arrive on the scene at around 1230 a.m., don't know what the fuck took them so long. Right. As soon as police arrive, Corey tells them that they have to go find John, and he gives them the address of the last delivery. Police arrive at the motel where they discover John's body in the bathroom. The water was still running with cold water. John had been tied up. He had a pillowcase over his head and a rope around his neck. There was a washcloth in his mouth and a sock tied around his head to keep the washcloth in place as a gag. <sighs> After sweeping the entire room, police come up with nothing. The room has been wiped completely clean. As a last-ditch effort, they went through the trash, where they found a fingerprint on the inside of an empty toilet paper roll. Oh. Which they would later match to Mitchell Sims. Nice. Nice detective work, guys. Mm -hmm. John's wallet and truck are gone, so police deduce that the two left in his truck. Glendale police do contact the corporate Domino's office, where they find out about the murders in Hanahan, South Carolina. After comparing the two robberies, they decide that they are more than likely related. And with that info, they get together a photo lineup and they call in Corey and Edmund to see if they can identify the robbers. They immediately pick Mitchell Sims out of the lineup. The FBI broadcasts Mitchell's photo on a national level, and they also put out a national lookup. That's not what I meant to put. Lookout? I don't know what I meant to put there. Uh, essentially, though, I'm sorry, I can't say essentially. <laughs> <laughs> they put out uh, coverage to look for John's truck that Mitchell Ruby stole. Okay. Domino's also put out a $100,000 reward for information leading to the arrest of Mitchell and Ruby, uh, adjusted for inflation. That is $285,340.15. Thank you. It's a lot of money. Mm hmm Obviously, please look for Mitchell and Ruby in San Francisco, but they have no luck tracking them down. Uh, the FBI is about to put Mitchell on their top 10 most wanted list when a tip comes in about an abandoned truck matching the description of John's. Mm hmm The truck is parked outside of a casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hopping around again. Mm-hmm. On December 11th, 1985, Las Vegas police search this truck and discover it is, in fact, John Hannigan's truck. The plates match, and his uniform is inside. His uniform or? 
John's uniform that oh. they were wearing. I was thinking Mr. Struck. No, it's John Struck. Okay. Mr. Struck broke down, remember? Yes, they I stole, do remember. They stole John's. Yes, I remember. I'm sorry. Uh, the truck has been completely wiped down. So while police know that the two are in the area, they are not able to track them down. Uh, that is until December 24th of 1985, Christmas Eve, when police receive an anonymous tip from a man who says that they're staying in a local motel. This man had drinks with the couple a few, ne- a few nights prior. A few nights. A few nights. I'm really tired. <laughs> Let's take a nap. And I needed my new glasses because I have a hard time staring at the screen. And my new glasses are blue light. So I was hoping I was going to have them today. But Maybe I don't. Maybe I should order myself a pair of blue light glasses. I just know that, like, my eyes hurt because I also, like, did so much research last night. Right. I just have been staring at a computer for a long time. Right. So. Anyway. Uh, the man had drinks with a couple a few nights prior. His tip was anonymous, but apparently he ended up getting the Domino's reward. Because when police go to the motel, Mitchell and Ruby are there. Hmm. They had checked in on they had checked in under fake names. Police surround the motel and knock on the door. Mitch opens up the door and puts his hands up, and the two are arrested. The police chief said it was perhaps the easiest arrest they had ever had given the crimes. Hmm. They well, put up no fight whatsoever. That's good at least. Mm-hmm. While searching the room, police found a phone book where Mitchell and Ruby had circled local pizza places. Hmm. So they were planning to, you know, rob some more. Right. Now I wonder if maybe there weren't any dominoes in Las Vegas. That's kind of weird. Because they were just going to go for another pizza chain. Right. Yeah. That is weird. Mm-hmm. Did you Google that? No. Hmm. I don't know that I can Google. Were there dominoes in the 80s in Las Vegas? Oh, well, I was just going to Google it now if there were I'm dominoes. sure there are now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You make a good point. I'm sorry. But I'm stupid. You're not stupid. Go putting yourself down like that. Well, you make me feel that way. Oh, with your up. domineering self. Shut up. Ah, <laughs> uh, So, the couple is extradited to California. Charges were filed in both California and South Carolina, but California had a better case against Ruby. So I guess South Carolina just like peaced out and was like, you guys can go ahead and handle this, you know? <laughs> I guess. Uh, they both stood trial for three counts of armed robbery, two counts of attempted murder, and one count of first-degree murder with special circumstances. Hmm. What is special circumstances? Googled what first-degree murder with special circumstances means, and it said, a category of murder that involves certain aggravating factors which escalate the severity of the crime and subject the defendant to harsher punishment. So the special character or the special circumstances in this case were if they planned to kill John. That was a special circumstance. So if they could prove that they planned to kill John, they would have a harsher sentence. Okay. Versus if it was not planned. But that would be a difference between first degree and second degree murder. Right. So I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Ruby's trial took place first in January of 1987. Ruby pled not guilty. The biggest issue was if Ruby had helped put Mitchell, had helped Mitchell put John in the bathtub. That's what they needed to prove. She claimed that John did everything on his own. Okay. After six days of deliberation, a jury found Ruby guilty of first-degree murder with special circumstances, as well as three counts of armed robbery, but they acquitted her on the attempted murder charges. Hmm. Which I find to be weird. I could see them finding her guilty on the attempted murder, as well as three counts of armed robbery. But I don't see how they could acquit her for the attempted murder, but not... For the first degree murder. Like, no one was there but her and, her and Mitchell. Right. But, like, there's multiple witnesses to the attempted murder. Hmm. But I guess because, like, Mitchell tied him up. Like, she had a butcher's knife. Like, she was going to stab them. Right. If they came at her. I don't know. It doesn't really matter, though, because Ruby's sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Okay. In March of 1987, Mitchell's trial begins. Uh, the defense makes no attempt to prove that Mitchell's innocent. Uh, instead, they just focus on avoiding the death penalty. 
Um, they tried to avoid the special circumstances by saying that John's murder was an accident. They say that Mitchell did tie him up. He did put him in the bathtub. But drowning him was not intentional. He didn't mean to drown him. Oh, okay. The problem with this defense is the autopsy ruled that John's cause of death was actually strangulation from the rope tied around his neck, not the drowning. See, that's a flaw. Yeah, it is a flaw. So it doesn't really work. It does nothing for him. Uh, the defense also tries to use Mitchell's horrible childhood to maybe pull up the jury's heartstrings, but that doesn't work either. I don't know why it would. I mean, don't get me wrong. His childhood sucked. His childhood did. sucked. Both of their childhood. Both of their childhood sucked. That does not. That's really unfortunate, but that doesn't mean you get to be a shitbag. Right. There are plenty of people that are put in shitty situations and they come out better. Like There's the ping pong guy. I from Podfest. I forgot about him. He's an Olympic ping ponger. Yeah. And he yeah. had a horrible life. He did have a horrible life. And now he is like an Olympic ping pong player. Mm-hmm. That's true. Probably because he listens to William Hung's podcast. Probably. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> Um, no, I'm just saying there's a lot of people that, like, are put in shitty situations. Right. And they come out better. There's a lot of people that are put in, sh- in shitty situations and their lives are shit. But, like, they're not out there fucking killing people. Right. And then there's a lot of people that are put in shitty situations and they just come out, like, kind of mediocre. Whatever. I mean, it sucks. It does. Like, don't get me wrong. I feel bad for the little... I feel bad for little Mitchell and little Ruby. Right. But it does not excuse their adult behavior. Right. I agree with that. So anyway, the jury finds Mitchell Sims guilty on all charges, and he is sentenced to the death penalty. At the time, California used the gas chamber, which you know, because you did California in the same time frame. Mm-hmm. I was excited about that. <laughs> I mean, not excited, because <laughs> that makes me feel like a horrible person. I was excited about the gas chamber. <laughs> I just thought that it was, like, interesting yeah. that they were using a gas chamber at that time. Yeah, me too. Since, you I know, found that interesting everyone uses well. the lethal injection now. Or do they? I don't know. Do Let's they? find out. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about all the research you did. Um, all right. So now that Ruby and Mitchell have both been found guilty in California, they're extradited back to South Carolina to stand trial again. Mitchell is found guilty in South Carolina where he receives another death sentence. And Ruby is found guilty of accessory after the fact. So both Mitchell and Ruby are serving their sentences in California. Ruby is at the California Institute for Women in Corona, California. And Mitchell is at San Quentin with your guy. Yeah, there we go. On death row. Uh, more than likely, Mitchell will just remain in prison until he dies, naturally. Uh, I looked, and California has only executed 13 inmates. Ever? Since, like, 1970-something, whenever they changed the death sentence laws or whatever. That's pretty crazy. Um, and it says... So, when I just looked, it said there are currently 746 inmates on death row. But during my other... Like, when I was researching last night, I found that there were over 1,000 inmates currently on death row in California. So, I'm not sure which is true, but either way, there's a shit ton of people on death right. row. Uh, California is on track to dismantle the death penalty. Okay. So both Mitchell and Ruby have exhausted all of their appeals. Mm-hmm. There is a petition for Ruby that was started in June of 2018, and it's received 569 signatures. The petition essentially argues that Ruby's childhood trauma was never shared with the jury. She also suffered from battered women syndrome, battered woman syndrome, and they argue that she just went along with Mitchell because he was her abuser at the time, so she had to follow him. Hmm. Okay. I don't foresee that really going anywhere. Like I said, it's been up since 2018. as 500 signatures. It's not going anywhere. Okay. Uh, I also read that during the trial, both Mitchell and Ruby smiled often and even like they even whispered to each other that they loved each other and would see each other soon. So I don't think that either of them had any remorse whatsoever. Gross. Um, and then I don't know how it works. So I don't, I don't know. 
if there's even a way to figure this out. So they were charged in California and they're also charged in South Carolina. But I just wonder why they're in California. Like, what do you think decides that? Because they were like sentenced there first. Like, why even bother sentencing them in South Carolina if they were going to serve out their sentences in California? Probably just like justice for the victims. All right. Well, just for comparison, South Carolina currently has 30 inmates on death row. And they've executed more than 680 inmates. Oh, my gosh. So, how do you been in South Carolina? He would have been executed a long time ago. Yeah, well, maybe that's why he's in California. I don't think he got a choice. Well, I know, but, like, maybe, like, his lawyers fought for that. I don't know. His lawyers didn't seem like they did a very good job. I don't think there was much they could do. Like, he was guilty without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. Also, I would like to point out that you did not say when the last person was executed in California. I know. It was 2006. Thank you. So you told them they were going to find out this week. I know. I just don't want you to ruin my thunder of then, my case. Okay, but that was all I was going to say. It doesn't matter. I'm rolling my eyes at you. That's fine. I'm not done, though. Okay. Uh, so South Carolina has not carried out an execution in 12 years, though, because they're unable to obtain lethal injection. Yeah, that has been a problem. There's something to do with, like, their prescriptions expired and they can't renew. But South Carolina law actually states that the electric chair will be used for execution. Oh. Unless the inmate requests lethal injection or the firing squad. Ugh. So their preferred form of execution is the electric chair. That's crazy because that's so outdated. Yeah. Like, that's extremely outdated. It just goes to show you how outdated the laws are in these southern states. Yeah. What's that movie where the guy doesn't die in the electric chair? I have no idea. So that made me think of. Um... The firing squad sounds absolutely terrifying. <laughs> like, who would select that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know who would select. I mean, obviously, you have to select one of them. But that would just be a very difficult choice. Like, hmm, what way do I want to die? None. Lethal injection, 100%. I don't know. You just, like, go to sleep. Kelly just came, peeked in the door, and left. <laughs> Um, I just don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of backlash within the state legal system that says the electric chair and firing squad are cruel and unusual punishments. I mean, I might agree with that. <laughs> I agree with it as well. I just thought it was crazy that South Carolina's preferred execution method is the electric chair. Okay, so what if someone does choose the firing squad? Like, are they actually going to do that? Yes. So Who would be the firing squad? Police? The guards? I mean, but who would sign up for that? I don't know that they have a choice but to do it. You always have a choice. I don't know. Lose your job or shoot somebody. Like I said, lose my job. Okay, but what's the difference between shooting somebody and giving them a lethal injection? Either I way, you're killing do that them. Either. Okay, but somebody has to do it. I guess. I mean, I suppose. I don't know. I just know that if they would have been sentenced and like done their time in South Carolina, they 100% would have, like, Mitchell would be executed by now. Yeah, probably. It's not a shadow doubt in my mind. He would be gone. They've executed 680 people in the time that California's on 13. Right. That's crazy. And they've roughly the same amount, really, if you think about it. Because it said Cal- it says South Carolina's on 680 and they have 30 left. So they've got, what, 710. And it says California's done has 746 and they've done 13. So, I mean, roughly the same amount. Hmm. So, kind of crazy. Can you pay attention to the podcast and get off your phone? I'm Googling what state decides, like how 
what decides what state you go to prison in. Oh, it doesn't really matter that much. I mean, no, but I want to know. Well, we actually have more episodes to record, so. Well, I'm not really finding anything anyways. Well, if you guys know, let us know, because I want to know. Yeah, I don't know if anyone will know. All right. Well, that was a good case. So, um, yeah, I did a good job. <laughs> Pat yourself on the back. That was a good case. Good job. <laughs> well, you weren't telling me, so. Because I was looking on my phone still. I'm sorry. I was paying attention to my phone and not you. Yeah, it's pretty normal. I don't ever do that. So, you be quiet. No, I don't. Yes, you do. So, anyway, guys, we'll catch okay. you next week. Uh, I think we have a Patreon that comes out before our next episode, though. So, if you want to hear that, head on over to patreon.com. Become a pepperoni patroni. Yeah. I plugged the Patreon three times in this episode. I'm just saying. Good job. Doing a good job. Now, if you guys would just listen to me and sign up, we'd be good. <laughs> That's your new job. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We'll catch you later. Bye. Hey, everyone. If you like what you heard and you want to support a small podcast, please give us money at www.patreon.com forward slash weekly dose of wicked where you can join one of our four amazing tiers starting at just a measly three dollars a month that's literally 10 cents a day you can join the slightly wicked after that we've got the moderately wicked for just five dollars a month followed by the awesomely wicked for seven dollars a month and for those high rollers big ballers we have the extraordinarily good so head on over check it out if you like what you see join it up if subscriptions aren't your jam head on over to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash w-d-o-w where you can give us a one-time donation to buy us a coffee or you know like podcasting equipment which would probably be a better use of our money feel free to give us a follow on instagram at weekly underscore dose underscore of underscore wicked or you can just search weekly dose of wicked and we'll pop up because we're the only ones or you can give us a like on facebook at facebook.com slash weekly dose of wicked Or, you know what, you could just do both, because that would be better for us. For a direct feed of our podcast, please go to www.weeklydoseofwicked.buzzsprout.com. Great news, guys. We've made it big time, and you can now listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yep, yep. Even Pandora. They finally let us in. Make sure to come back next Wednesday for your Weekly Weekly Dose of Wicked. Wicked. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, podcast listener, do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, 
the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.